of the Pew Bibles. Mark chapter 2, 23 to chapter 3, verse 6. Here, for this is the word of the Lord. One Sabbath, he, that is Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is, it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Over the years, I've known many sincere and Bible-believing Christians tell me that the reason why they do not read the Bible on a regular basis is because it is too difficult to understand. And we ought to sympathize with that because even Peter says that there were things that Paul wrote that were too difficult to understand. One of those difficult doctrines to understand in the Bible is the Sabbath. Now we know the Sabbath day is a day of rest. After God created all things in six days, on the seventh day, He rested from His work. And it became part of God's creation where even creation itself has a time of rest. So the Sabbath day is a natural day of rest. We see it in nature that all mankind needs a day to rest from work. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And he would sanctify this day in his law that was given to Moses so that we too are to keep it holy. This means that it is not only a day of rest, but it is also a day of worship. It has the longest explanation in the law because it is a day set apart for man to rest, commune with God, and gather with the saints for worship. In the Old Testament, it was observed on the seventh day, what we know as Saturday, after the completion of the old creation. 
As Christians, we celebrate our day of rest on what we normally call the Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week after the beginning of the new creation, when Jesus rose from the dead. His work on the cross was completed, and His body was laid to rest on the evening of the Sabbath. And then He was raised on the first day. And this gives us a new pattern for Christians to gather and celebrate. So both in Scripture and in Christian tradition, we were known to gather on Sundays. Now that is not too difficult to understand, I hope. What is difficult to understand is what is permitted and what is not permitted to do on the Sabbath day. And what Jesus says regarding the Sabbath in this passage is also difficult to understand. It sounds like he is contradicting the law of God. Were the Pharisees justified in saying that he was breaking the law? Or was the law confused to begin with? I believe there is so much going on here and Jesus demonstrates for us what the Sabbath is really for and He does this in two ways. First, notice the conflict as the hatred of Jesus grows among the Pharisees. It says, one Sabbath, He, that is Jesus, was going through the grain fields And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, that is, to eat. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Because, according to the law, reaping a harvest was not allowed on the Sabbath. But the thing is, they weren't reaping a harvest. They were plucking grain, which was allowed. On the Sabbath. So the real problem for them was not about the disciples reaping. Remember, the Pharisees were legalists. They added laws to God's law, and they came up with 613 commandments. Now, these commandments were used to help prevent people from breaking God's law and Scripture, so they had good intentions. But these commandments that the Pharisees came up with, especially regarding the Sabbath, were not in God's law. They were teachings from their tradition. But they treated it with the same authority as God's law. And this is where they went wrong. Just as an example, on the Sabbath, according to the Pharisees, You are not allowed to walk over a half a mile. You are not allowed to take 2,000 steps or more or you would be breaking the Sabbath. Because at that point, at 2,000 steps, it would be considered a work. You would be working. Now imagine this scenario. You were on your 1,998th step And you had to use the bathroom. And it was three steps away. You would be in some trouble. Unfortunately, these sorts of nitpicky observations have happened in the Christian church as well over the years. 
There, there are churches that will have you sign a pledge stating that you have given up the life of dancing, theater, alcohol, and tobacco. And none of these cause you to sin necessarily. What causes you to sin is your own sinful heart. Now, it is from good intention to try to keep people from sinning and to guard purity. But the thing is, it is not in God's law. See, it is so easy for Christians to go wrong like the Pharisees. Because we want to be holy. We want to grow in holiness and Christ-likeness. But it is so easy to bind believers with regulations that are mere preferences rather than what Scripture actually teaches. We ought to be careful that we are not teaching what is not clearly taught in Scripture. We ought to be careful that our traditions are not just merely traditions and they are not binding our people to laws, regulations, restrictions that God never gave. What can be used as a vehicle for good can always go the other way. Because adding to the law is just as sinful and damaging as taking away from the law. So how does Jesus respond? He doesn't say, hey, they're they're just plucking grain. They're not reaping a harvest. No, he doesn't say that. Because he knows their hearts. He knows their intentions. He knows why they are there in the first place. So he goes back to the scripture. He goes back to the word. That is how we should respond to legalism. Go back to the scripture. And he said to them, have you never read? Now that's an insult. That's an insult. The Pharisees were Bible experts. And Jesus questioned whether or not they ever read something from the Bible. Because they were glued to the pages of tradition rather than scripture. He says, have you ever read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Now, this is a tricky passage because it sounds like Jesus is justifying lawlessness. But if you go back to the account of David, at that point in time, Saul has been rejected by God as king, though he would remain king until his death. And David was anointed by God as the next king. So out of jealousy, Saul plotted to kill David and chases him. So David flees and he comes to the house of God at Nob and asks Ahimelech, who was the priest at the time of Abiathar, to give him some bread. But all he had to give him was the holy bread, the show bread, the bread of the presence that was found on the table in the tabernacle. So, so he gave it to him. On the condition that his entourage, his uh, men that were with him, kept themselves from women. 
Now the thing that's missing in the text is that the priest didn't say that it was not lawful for him to give David the bread. Why? Well, David's need was more important at the time than the Levitical law. Why? Wait a minute. Isn't God's law binding above all else? Well, there is more going on in that situation than what we see in reading this text. David told Ahimelech he was on a mission from the king. And certain laws, such as the ceremonial laws, are set aside for a situation like this, and especially for the king and his mission. Certain situations take priority, and a certain man takes priority. And that is what is going on here. For the Pharisees, David was that man. He could do no wrong. David was the hero and the king of that story. From their perspective, he was engaged in holy warfare. And certain laws can be put aside. And in holy war, he was excused even though he lied to the priest. And he ate the bread of the presence that only priests were allowed to eat. But it was David. It was David. And that is the point. David gets a pass. So what Jesus was saying was that it was about the king of Israel on his mission to establish himself as king and to establish his kingdom. So Jesus is not trying to justify David breaking the law. But he is saying, if David, who is Israel's hero and king for all time, is given a pass and the ceremonial law, that is God's law, is set aside so that he and his men can eat, then the Pharisees can set aside their traditions, which is not God's law, so that the son of David, the Messiah, And his men can eat. But they couldn't. They couldn't set it aside. Contrast that with Ahimelech who responded to David's need and to David's mission. The Pharisees couldn't see that the need of man takes priority over their traditions. And he explains that the Sabbath was made for man, not man, for the Sabbath. The Sabbath day was a gift to man from God. It was meant to bring blessings and not curses. But instead the Pharisees placed restrictions on the day that we were meant to enjoy. There were certain things that God left people free to do on the Sabbath, but they were putting people in chains by adding to what they couldn't do. They were missing the point of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was meant to lift the burdens of man and give him rest. But their traditions made the Sabbath a burden 
And this kept people from tasting the goodness of God. This kept people from God. That is why adding to the law is sinful because it keeps people from God. The Sabbath was a day when God and the life that He gave was to be celebrated. Get this, they even made it unlawful to untie a knot on the Sabbath day. Well, you better get some slip-on shoes. But the Sabbath day was a reminder that God is a God that gives His people rest and all things to enjoy, including and especially Himself. And in Christ, the Lord's day is a reminder that God is a God of salvation and we find our ultimate rest in Him. And don't think that this sort of thing can't happen in the church. We can get petty over non-essential opinions in the Christian life, can't we? There are things in our personal walk that we have strong convictions about. And we wish that everyone else had the same convictions as me. How often do we think that way? Well, first we must ask ourselves before we go on a church-wide crusade. Is it in the law? In other words, is it in the Word of God? Is it a necessary consequence of the moral law, the the Ten Commandments? Now that's difficult to answer because for some people everything is a necessary consequence. Or everything becomes essential. And I'm not talking about what's essential for Presbyterians. We know what's essential. We have the Scriptures. We have the Confession of Faith and the Book of Church Order. I'm not speaking of those things. I'm speaking uh, of an example. There are some Christians, and I know some personally, and I love them as brothers and sisters, who are opposed to watching TV. They don't even own a TV. They're afraid TV will lead to worse things. That is commendable. That is commendable. But is it law? There are certain lifestyle choices that each of us make. But we often believe that everyone else should make the same choices as us. And if so, the world will be a better place. Really? You see, Christians often fight over petty and personal lifestyle choices all the time. But they don't feel the same conviction when they are actually sinning. Because during the disagreement, there could be sin in your heart. Sin in your heart toward the other person. You think of certain sins that are common in every church that are an offense to God. Such as an unjust anger in your hearts. Gossip, slander, deceit, lying. Was it the TV that told you to do that? Or was it already in you? Now I'm not picking on those who don't own TVs specifically. What I am saying is that we can get petty and legalistic over traditions that we made up for ourselves and ignore the sin that is actually in us and the sin that we are actually committing. 
especially if there is unjust anger toward others because they are not following you on this issue. And this issue usually doesn't involve sin. This is what the Pharisees were doing. By this time, they were sinning. They were going after Jesus just to scrutinize everything he did. Their motives were off. There was hatred toward Jesus. It wasn't really about Jesus and his disciples keeping the Sabbath. That was a holy cover-up for the hatred and anger they had toward Jesus. It wasn't about the Sabbath. He was the leader of this group that was plucking grain to eat when they had need. But they would give a pass to their leader, David, while they wouldn't give a pass to the Son of God, the Son of David. So ultimately, it was not about Sabbath keeping, but it was really about Jesus and His leadership. It was about the man, not the law. Because if David, who had authority as king, was given the bread of the presence unlawfully and was excused by them, then the son of man, the son of David, who has more authority than David, can walk through the grain fields, pluck heads of grain to eat, and give to his disciples. So we should ask ourselves two questions of this text. Who made the Sabbath? God. And who did he make it for? Man. So the supreme man, the representative of redeemed humanity, the son of man, is Lord. Now, I know in the ESV it's not capitalized. I believe it should be. It should be capitalized here. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What he's saying here, he's saying the meaning, the reason of the Sabbath has come. Because he is both the God who made it, and he is the man to enjoy it. The supreme man. He is the representative of true humanity. And he is the Lord who gave the Sabbath. He is saying the Lord of the Sabbath has come. And so the ceremonial law is being set aside for the Lord and his mission. Just like it was set aside for David. Even though Jesus wasn't even breaking the law. But the law is fulfilled in Christ. And those traditional restrictions, they will never give you rest. They will never give you rest. But Jesus would say, I am the one who gives you rest. He is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and I have the final say on the Sabbath. So if your eyes are looking down on the Sabbath and looking for all the things you can and can't do. You are missing the point. You ought to be looking up. 
Because your rest comes from God. And your rest is to God. They were missing the point. Jesus' mission was to give Israel her Sabbath rest. And they missed it. They missed it. I pray that we do not miss it. So we have seen how the Sabbath is made for man and his necessity. And now we will see what else the Sabbath is for. On the same day he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. That is a hand that is useless and is also, uh, usually uh, crunched up and to the side. Um, when something is withered in the Bible it is often in result of a curse. But we're not sure here if it was because of this man's sin or not. Either way, he would have been viewed as one who is cursed by the Pharisees. Also, another thing to note is that a, a withered hand is not life-threatening. It's not life-threatening. It's not an emergency. So Jesus could have waited until the next day to heal this man. But I think he did it not only because he is rich in mercy, but also to prove something. It was to bring out the Pharisees' true colors. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. Again, they weren't there for good intentions. They were there out of anger to see what he would do next to find a reason to condemn him. What vile hatred that Jesus stirred up among them. And it is no surprise that it, this is the same vile hatred and anger that the world today has toward Jesus and those who follow him. Especially when Jesus does not fit their mold that they try to force him in. What vile hatred. <coughs> there are those who attend churches just to accuse. Just to find a reason to cause dissension. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, those watching, and the Pharisees included, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? He, he presents a choice before them. And he is presenting a choice before us as well. He, he sounds much like Moses. In his final speech to Israel after he calls them to repentance... In order to be forgiven. Moses says. See I have set before you today. Life and good. That is if you repent. And turn to God. And then death and evil. If you do not. You and I also have a choice to make. They had a choice to make. They could have said yes. It is lawful to choose life. And good on the Sabbath. But instead they remained silent. 
they were afraid if they said, yes, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, then they would be convicted of sin. They would be convicted of the fact that they never truly kept the Sabbath. And that would completely destroy their traditions. That would dismantle their traditions. They were a stubborn group. And it sounds like us most of the time, doesn't it? They were silent. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what they were there for. And he had two emotional responses. He looked around at them with anger. Grieved at their hardness of heart. He had a righteous and godly anger, or or better translated, a fury. Because for the sake of tradition, they could not love this man while he was suffering. And he was grieved over the state of their souls. They could not say whether or not it was lawful to do good or to save life on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is ultimately for the well-being of man and to promote life. And they couldn't. They couldn't. Just like Israel, they were hard at heart even after they witnessed all that the Lord had done for them. To make it worse for them, to make a testimony against them, He's going to show them again. He's going to show them His goodness and His miraculous power. And this is where we ought to beware. We ought to beware that if God has been showing us His goodness towards us, and yet we still turn and reject Him, we ought to beware. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He just said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. And now he's in the synagogue to prove that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. As he tells this man to stretch out his hand, the man stretched it out and his his hand was restored. This time Jesus didn't touch him. He didn't even say a word of healing. But he stood there probably looking around. At all their faces, waiting for a reaction. Like, yeah, what now? What now? What else do you have against me? You gotta love Jesus. You gotta love him. There's a lot of talk about political correctness and the right way of confronting someone, but Jesus just goes around and proves people wrong to their faces. Like that old hip-hop song, I Got the Power. Not sure if you're familiar with that one. Which would mean no one else had the power. He reverses the curse of this man's withered hand, a hand that was useless, and he restores it and makes it new. 
Because He is the one who delivers us, heals us, cleanses us from sin, forgives sin, reconciles us to God. And it is about His mission and His identity. That is the main focus here and He proved it. He proved that He is the Savior of men and our only hope of being restored. He proved that He has divine power and He proved that He does all things as a man for the glory of God and for the good of other men. He was the walking and living law of God who was sent to save life. Yet, they were still hard at heart. They were both blind and deaf. And that could be us. That could be us. Have we been enlightened? Tasted the heavenly gift? Have shared in the Holy Spirit as we attend church each Lord's Day? And tasted the goodness of the word of God and still turn away from him and his word? Are we still cold toward God and cold toward other people? Are we like the Pharisees who nitpick over things that will pass away and yet ignore our own sinful state? Remember, he set the choice before them. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? They were silent. Yet they made a choice. They still made a choice. What happens after this man is restored by Jesus? What happens after Jesus does good? While he was doing good, what were they doing? Plotting evil. They were plotting evil. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were those who followed Herod. These were their enemies. These were pagans. They were unbelievers in in the eyes of the Pharisees. And yet they teamed up with them against Jesus. They teamed up with their own enemies to kill Jesus. That's how deep their hatred for Jesus was. I guess the the phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, becomes true in this context. They held counsel against him, how to destroy him. They chose to plot They chose to do harm and to do evil and to kill. Get this, on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. On the holy day. The day that God blesses us with life. They did opposite of what Jesus did. Later they will crucify the Lord of the Sabbath on the eve of the Sabbath. On that Friday evening, they plotted to kill on the Sabbath, and they killed on the eve of the Sabbath. And they are the ones who claim to keep the law, 
These are the ones who show up for worship. And Jesus exposes them. And oftentimes this text ought to expose us and where we are. So what we can learn from this text is to reject Jesus Christ is to choose death and evil. He is sending a message to Israel and to the world that He is the one that they are to surround and to listen to. He is the one who calls for their faith, obedience, and worship. Because He is the one who gives life and rest. The world and their traditions, they won't give you rest. He, that is Jesus Christ, is the only one who will give you rest. He is the one who grants true salvation and restoration. And He is here to give you peace because His grace and mercy produces obedience, not legalism and restrictions, but obedience from the heart. Legalism and restrictions never produce obedience. God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance. And yes, the Sabbath is to be kept holy. But remember, it is a holy celebration of God and the life that He has given us in Jesus Christ. Let us never forget that truth. May the Lord bless you with every blessing on this Lord's Day. Amen. Let us pray.